Welcome to Feed Matters, Feed Navigator's podcast series exploring industry concerns, challenges and emerging topics. I'm Jane Byrne. Today we're talking to Declan Billington, Chief Executive of John Thompson & Sons Limited, Northern Ireland's largest animal feed processor. He's also the current Vice Chair of the Northern Ireland Food and Drinks Association. Our discussion focuses on the post-Brexit landscape for the Northern Ireland feed and farming sectors. Businesses there have to start preparing for New Year's Day 2021, when Northern Ireland will have a unique status, described as part of the UK Customs Territory, but still applying EU Customs rules. Declan, who was awarded an MBE in 2019 for services to the economic development of Northern Ireland, is well versed in all things Brexit, having a role on several government Brexit advisory bodies. The vote for Brexit back in June 2016 ushered in a period of high stress, uncertainty and widespread concern for business leaders in the north of Ireland. Has anything changed in that respect, Declan, with Brexit now very much a reality? Well, it may be a reality, but it's a deferred reality. We're in a transition period. At the start, we were uncertain what it meant for Northern Ireland. Um, Would we have a land border? Would we have a sea border? Would the UK market open itself to a flood of cheap goods manufactured to different standards? Um, a lot of that is still uncertain. We know that we don't have a land border, but we now need to deal with the consequences of effectively a, a sea border where goods entering Northern Ireland will be subject to a range of checks. And if there's no deal between the UK and Europe, tariffs and then rather complicated procedures to reclaim those tariffs for goods um, consumed in Northern Ireland. So. We still have a lot of uncertainty and I'm still going to a lot of meetings where we're seeking clarity and in truth it's unknown. There is a a specialised committee to be set up under the protocol who will then determine how all of this will work in practice and it'll be the next six months that hopefully we'll get some clarity about how the, the issues will operate in Northern Ireland but remember the biggest risk is to our UK marketplace and there's still a lot of uncertainty about what the UK wants to do there with its future trade arrangements. Well, Boris Johnson's government said there will be no checks on goods going out of Northern Ireland and limited checks in the opposite direction. What's your take on that? Goods flowing from NI to GB, in theory, we're part of the United Kingdom. Our goods should be treated as domestic goods, no tax, no checks. The question is, how do you know in a free trade agreement between the UK and Europe goods flowing from Belfast or Larnport originated in Northern Ireland or originated in Europe or the Republic of Ireland. So whilst he's right in principle that for goods of Northern Ireland origin there shouldn't be checks, there needs to be some mechanism by which you can distinguish those goods and perhaps the process of distinguishing them is in itself a set of checks. More importantly though, he is completely wrong when he talks about no checks from GB to NI. the checks coming into Northern Ireland will be those checks that Europe apply to third countries supplying the European Union. Um, there's uh, SPS, uh, cytofanatory checks, and um, there are also paperwork checks to make sure the goods um, meet the rules required to determine no tax liability and safety and standards checks for manufactured goods. So. Um, 
one wonders where they read the protocol because there's 350 regulations at the back of it that we're now legally obliged to enforce. And in your role on these Brexit advisory bodies or in your role as vice chair of the Northern Ireland Food and Drink Association, are you privy to any additional details from the UK government in terms of changes going forward? No, a lot of it still has to be, first of all, there's a negotiation of a UK-wide free trade agreement. Just remember, the Northern Ireland Protocol is only the minimum requirements to allow for goods to move across the island. It does not deal with services, so we don't know whether we can use our lorries to drive our goods across the border, the land border, for example, because that's a provision of a service. There's a lot still to be sorted out in the free trade agreement within which the Northern Ireland Protocol sits. And if that's written well, you end up with a light touch. And if it's a bad agreement or a very basic agreement, it creates a lot more challenge. And we live still live in a world of uncertainty. So we don't know the UK relationship with Europe. And we still have to flesh out the practical operations of the protocol. And that requires the formation of a joint committee. And that's still to be formed. It'll probably be March before people go into a room and sit down and figure out how to make this work. And only then... Will business know whether we can live with the requirements um, in an affordable way? And to date, how have Northern Irish feed businesses and farmers been performing? Have they been struggling since the Brexit debacle? Um, they haven't been struggling because of the impact of the, the um, vote to leave or indeed the negotiations. There was a lot of anxiety as we were heading towards a no deal of a, a land border and this was a no deal at the time of negotiating a withdrawal agreement, and indeed the risk that goods could flow south to north but couldn't flow north to south. All of those issues have gone. We now have an internationally binding agreement that says the all-island economy for agri-food is tomorrow the way it is today. The problem arises on goods entering the island. So, for example, in the feed trade, we would import a lot of wheat from the UK. Sometimes we import wheat from other places in Europe, Uh, If the UK decide in some point in the future to diverge with GM crops or pesticide sprays, um, that would create a problem in purchasing UK wheat uh, for the island of Ireland. Um, But it would also weakly be a problem to the UK farmer because if he diverges, he loses the ability to export 3 million tonnes of wheat a year out of the UK. So there's a lot of talk about divergence, but if you work through the practical examples of them in a number of cases, it would be quite damaging for the UK to diverge. They think they're saving money, but they lose access to their export markets as a result. So our feed businesses and flour milling businesses suffering at the moment, not because of Brexit. Uh, there is certainly about the relationship on the island of Ireland. The concern is what happens when we leave and what about our supply chains if the UK diverges. What are the eventual implications for raw material imports for Northern Irish feed businesses? Well, at the moment, we are already importing a lot of commodities from North and South America and and from other countries, Asia. Those are third country goods today, and they'll be third country goods tomorrow. So in respect of those goods, there are no differences. There are a set of goods that we do buy um, generally from UK or European businesses. We call them premixes. There's what you might call the vitamin and protein supplements that we add to the diet to to deliver the best performance of the animal. And uh, the question arises, where are those goods originally coming from? Are they coming from manufacturing bases in the UK? Are they coming from Europe? Are they coming from Asia? 
And today they're all landing in this single market that is Europe. Tomorrow they could be landing in one of two markets. And then you have to consider the rules as you move them from one market, which is the UK single market, to a secondary market, which is the European single market, and whether those goods trigger liabilities um, because they contain a lot of, say, Chinese protein supplements or or Asian vitamin supplements. So we, we don't know. What we see is for the what you call the bulk materials, um, excluding the likes of wheat, trade flows in my mind will be the same as they generally have been. Uh, for the micro-ingredients, there is a risk, um, but we need to do more work on the potential for that risk, and that might require a rerouting of supply chains to avoid the complexity of nipping out of Europe into the UK and back into Northern Ireland. It's just uh, work homework we need to do. And Declan, do you see any positives for the, the Northern Irish uh, feed and farming sectors from having a newly restored government in Belfast? Yeah, um, I think... Um, there's there's two elements there. At a UK level, whenever um, the withdrawal agreement and indeed the trade agreement is to be negotiated, there is a place for devolved um, regions to make representations to the UK government um, about the particular interests of Scotland or Wales or England or indeed Northern Ireland. The Northern Ireland table was, whilst it wasn't empty, it had civil servants and civil servants cannot form policy, only ministers can decide policy. So we were able to deliver facts, we were able to listen, but we weren't able to set out the requirements for Northern Ireland, the policy requirements in a trade deal or indeed a withdrawal agreement. Having a strong executive voice at the table to make sure the interests of Northern Ireland are fairly represented by the UK government is a step up. The second thing is there is a genuine desire within Europe recognising the complexity that exists in Northern Ireland, its land border and its history. There is a genuine desire to engage and help. But actually there's only so far they can go if there's not a Northern Ireland executive to have a discussion with. Um, they almost need to be invited to have some conversations. And without an executive there can't be an invitation to discuss various aspects of uh, uh, of our future relationship uh, trading in the European area. And in terms of the close trading relationship then that you, you mentioned earlier between um, the Republic of Ireland and Northern Ireland, you, you're quite optimistic about the future scenario in that respect. Well, let us, let's walk through a simple scenario. The UK is, is discussing its, uh, its trade tariffs when it leaves Europe. They're called MFN tariffs, the tariffs that will apply for goods um, if there's no trade deal with a particular country. And they're simplifying them, and in some cases they will reduce them or eliminate them. Um, there is a concern across the island that if the UK lowers its tariffs on food, uh, meat and dairy products, that they could be inviting lower cost competition from countries whose cost of policy, you think about employment law, pension rights, holiday rights, maternity leave, countries that don't apply those benefits to their people and therefore have a lower cost base, are able to trade into the UK market at an advantage over us. So there's anxiety about that. Unlike the rest of the UK, though, we have access to the single market that is Europe for goods that originate in Northern Ireland. So, so if the UK goes into a cheap food policy, at least we have a route into Europe that the rest of the UK doesn't have to help mitigate what might otherwise be a very severe impact on us. So that unique position that Northern Ireland uh, will have come January 2021 could provide opportunities for fee businesses within the region? 
Well, it provides opportunities for our customers, or what you might actually say, it reduces the risk to our customers being exposed to only one market. And if and if my customers survive and prosper, I survive and prosper. Feed, by its nature, is heavy in weight, low in value or margin, and therefore it doesn't travel a great distance. So I'll not be able to export my product into Europe. But the fact that my customer base have both the European market and, in theory, the UK and the UK market, indeed, open to us, whereas the rest of the UK have to wait whether they have a European market open to us, and gives certainty to the businesses and certainty to European customers who wish to source from Northern Ireland in a way they won't have if they want to source from England, Scotland or Wales. And is there anything Northern Ireland feed businesses uh, can can do right now to prepare, uh, considering this level of uncertainty that you, you've flagged? Uh, you know, the, the various outcomes are incredibly difficult to prepare for. By way of example, I spent three or four months uh, near the end of last year working with tax experts and customs experts to figure out if there was a hard land border, how to continue to trade on the island of Ireland. I set up complicated company structures and tax structures that would enable me to continue to service our customers um, across the island of Ireland. Um, however, an arrangement was put in place, the withdrawal agreement and the Northern Ireland Protocol that made all of that work and time redundant. So I welcome the fact that I didn't need to implement that plan, but it's an example of a lot of time and cost uh, chasing one scenario that never happened. And we don't know if there's going to be a free trade deal with the UK and Europe. If there is, we don't know the extent of it. It's very, very hard to prepare for a, a number of outcomes that are so diametrically different. All we can do is say our trade on the island is safe. We need to look into our supply chains. We can do scenarios and prepare for some aspects in those scenarios. There's fewer variations than six months ago, but it's still challenging, and the outcomes are so different you can only note them but can't plan for them because you'd go in one direction. It could be an absolute waste of money and time um, when you should have gone in a different direction. So it's a watch and wait until there's clarity that we can then position ourselves to face.